is Bloomberg Surveillance. We have been using the rally that we've seen since the lows of February to lighten up on some of the more risky investments. I think the best measure of how the economy is performing, you know, gives us the best sense of what's going through is just jobs because we can measure jobs. Whether you're talking about Brexit, whether it's the next shoe to drop across the Middle East, there's just a lot of churn geopolitically that's going to make life more difficult economically. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keith. Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. Good morning, all of you in Europe. In this hour, all of a sudden, our most important interview of the day, David Harrow, international investor out of Chicago, the first place Cubs, David Harrow, uh, looking at the dilution in shares. We'll look at that for a moment. Of course, Bayer Monsanto leading headlines today. Coming up, David Harrow on international uh, investment futures. Uh, well, they're flat, I'm going to call it. Dow futures, negative one. Not much going on there. Watching commodities uh, with a modest implosion in commodities uh, off of Friday. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Cone Resnick. Accounting tax advisory. Look ahead. Gain insight. Imagine more. The professionals at Cone Resnick can help your business break through. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. Michael, a merger. We spoke to the chief executive officer, chairman of the management board of Bayer earlier. I took two He's aspirin a, to prepare for this interview. Not a merger yet. They just not would a like to buy. Unsolicited. Yeah, many sales. Santo has yeah. not responded. Well, they said earlier they didn't like it, but then now the details yeah. are out. We haven't had a response. Thank you to the teams at Citigroup and Berenberg Capital for their smart research this morning on us looking for higher uh, prices. What a perfect time to speak to David Harrow, uh, who does international uh, investment and has been doing it, large cap international investment with Harris Associates. David, good morning. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Well, I'm very good. I, I'd done a clinic earlier on this all-cash deal, which is baloney. They have to go out to their shareholders and do something in the form of a 25% offer with share dilution, which frankly goes over to your ownership of Swiss banks and French banks. Do you just assume Europe's going to be on one big cash call asking shareholders for for, for issuing new shares for cash, is that the Harrow plan for the next 24 months? Uh, I sure hope not. Uh, in this particular case, they think they could buy a good company at a reasonable price, and therefore, uh, yes, you're exactly right. They said it's a, a cash issue, but they're going to have to get the cash from somewhere, and there will be a share placement. And I think this is why the yeah. stock is reacting the way it is. What about Credit Suisse? I mean, the banking industry beleaguered <clears throat> Unicredit. Maybe the CEO is out in the next couple days. I just mentioned Deutsche Bank with a challenging chart, to say the least. Do you assume a cash call? by the Swiss banks. Yeah, I would not expect either UBS or Credit Suisse, the two big, uh, huge banks in, in Switzerland, to need cash. They they have done this already. They should be fine. If you look at their rev, uh, leverage ratios, if you look at their capital ratios, they're actually ahead of where they need to be in 2017. So in, bo- in those cases, uh, I do not believe they need cash. They're well capitalized. In the case of Deutsche Bank, it's a different story. But I think overall, excuse me, if you look at the European banking scenery, for the most part, the big non-kind of co-op government-involved banks are sitting pretty strongly in terms of capital position. It's some of these smaller banks, these co-op kind of non-for-profit entities that seem to need still need a little more cash. 
Well, they may not need cash, but they do need profits. Um, what say you to uh, President, uh, CEO uh, TJAM's uh, plans, get out of uh, investment banking and go heavily into uh, wealth management? Well, he's not going to get out of investment banking completely. He's going to try to keep kind of the lighter capital service arm of that. And what they, what he's noticed, that he's almost been at the bank now a year. He hasn't been there. Uh, he's probably been there about 10, 11 months now. That when you look at the capital deployment of Credit Suisse, far too much of it was focused on recycling the free cash into the investment bank where it was not able to earn a through-cycle return. And then he looked at his private bank and certain areas like Asia Wealth Management that were earning great returns where they have critical mass, where they're the leader, was being starved of capital. And really what he's doing is turning off the capital allocation spigot to the trading operations and the areas in the investment bank where they cannot earn that through-cycle return to funnel that over to where there are hungry mouths. Uh, just think of the birds chirping in the nest that spring here in Chicago and give those give those birds some worms and that's exactly what he's doing now when you do this it doesn't come without a little bit of friction there's a lot of people in the investment bank who are saying hey what's going on here but this is really the right thing to do is to deploy capital in any business by the way in any business deploy capital where you have the best through cycle return not where you're earning returns today or tomorrow but through the cycle Mike did you notice how Harold got that shameless plug-in for its spring in Chicago. Do you note that both of their baseball teams are in first place? Yeah, and, this, and the Zurich teams, you know, just not doing... And the Cubs have the best record in baseball. Yeah, so that's why you're in such a good mood it's, this morning. It's extraordinary. I mean, Harold's like eight days a week. He goes from Wrigley Field down to Comiskey Park, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> Just to give it equal time. David, um, everybody wants to know your thoughts on Glencore. Uh, remind us when you bought Glencore and why you purchased shares in Glencore. Well, we were a little too early. We bought it in our international portfolios. Now, the domestic portfolios and some of the global ones had it earlier, but in our international portfolios, we bought it in June or July of last year. And the reason why we bought it is the price had dropped completely based on what had happened to copper. Copper basically went from $10,000 to at a low of 4000 Today it's at about 4600 yeah. um, And And I think what people were really fearing is that there was just some black hole, this thing's going to get flushed down the drain. When we looked at it, we, we did our work. We first thing we looked at was their trading operation, which reliably produces, say, 30 to 40 percent of their EBIT uh, every right. year. Uh, now, this is they are in many, many cases the top trader of many of these commodities, whether it be some metals or right. agricultural commodities. So this is a very strong position to be, and they are the ones between the producer and the user. Uh, and they don't, it's not a risk-taking. This is they buy to facilitate orders. And then, then we looked at their other operations, copper, zinc, and coal. Now, coal is the one we are the most concerned about. Uh, but coal, of course, is making lots of money, helped by the low Australian dollar. Well, let me interrupt, if I can, just because yeah. of time. I think this is so important. Market cap's gone from $68 billion down to $27 billion. Okay, we all know that. Revenues imploded, $233 uh, gazillion dollars down to 171 We all know that. But as you right. point out... EBITDA down the income statement and cash flow has been relatively resilient. That's where a value guy like you comes in. 
Why are you so lonely on this trade? Well, because it's not a good environment for commodities. And what people do is they throw it in with all the other commodity companies. And you really can't do that. And this provides an opportunity because each commodity has a different supply and demand curve. The, each commodity has a different cost curve. For instance, iron ore has a very flat cost curve. It, you know, there's three or four producers who could keep producing this stuff at 25 to $30 a ton. Copper, which is the biggest commodity that Glencore makes, is just the opposite. It has an extremely steep cost curve. It has slow and steady demand. And by the way, if you believe everyone's going to start buying hybrids and, and electric cars, those, those vehicles use 40% more copper than a, a regular uh, automobile. But <clears throat> the fact is you have to look at each each company separately. You have to look at where their exposure is. You can't just say, oh, Glencore's in the commodity business, short it. And in essence, this is what happened. You saw these big baskets of businesses and commodities being shorted by those who are against commodities. Mm-hmm. Well, to us, there's an opportunity in that. If When you just have blind selling without looking at what you're selling, it's like getting on a train, not mm-hmm. knowing where the train is headed. Yeah, Mike, jump in here, please. Well, we've only got a minute before the break, so let me just ask you a quick question. We'll get back to Glencore in a moment. Five years ago, they went public at uh, about $528, $530 a share. Um, now, 128 How long till they get back to what people got into this stock at? Yeah, I, I don't believe that's going to happen anytime soon. We believe it is substantially worth more than it is today. Now, also note that in mm-hmm. September, they raised capital at 125 And to us, this was the right thing to do because right. it gave the balance sheet strength and certainty in this uncertain commodity outlook. Yeah. So we're we're a little bit above that price, but I, I think it's you know five to six. Yeah. We're not getting there anytime soon. David Harrow with us. We'll continue this discussion on Glencore. To be clear, Glencore off London priced in pence from that five hundred level, and it's very confusing where the decimal point uh, goes there. The way the London Stock Exchange uh, does it, all you need to know is it's moved from five on down to one, and that gives you the scope and scale of the decline. We'll come back with Mr. Harrow not only on Glencore, but maybe we could even touch on a little Rust Belt politics, which he's more than up to speed upon as well. We've covered Cub. We've checked the box of Cubs and White Sox, Michael. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you can never talk enough about it if you're from you Chicago. You can't. That would be true. We've learned that interview after interview after interview. The yield, 1.83% futures flat this morning. Let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world in the national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A submarine is being used in the search for the black boxes from Egypt Air Flight 804. The sub from Egypt's oil ministry will be at the scene where searchers continue to scour a section of the Mediterranean for wreckage, especially the black boxes. Egypt's president continues to caution against speculation, but mounting evidence points to a sudden and dramatic catastrophic failure. President Obama has lifted the sale of arms to Vietnam. The president made the announcement in Hanoi today. Twin suicide attacks in the southern Yemen city of Aden left at least 45 army recruits dead. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael, thanks so much. Oil sells. Don't want to make a big deal about it, but it's been a trend for a few days. Brent, European oil, 48.16. The barrel down 56 cents. West Texas, 47.76. Gold down $3. 12.50 the ounce. 
with David Arrow of Harris Associates, Michael McKee, and Tom Keen. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. The news update brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch's Global Cash Management Solutions, helping you manage, protect, and invest your global cash wherever the road to growth leads. That's the power of Global Connections. Bank of America, North America, member FDIC. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures, they are a little changed this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. U.S. futures have improved since the last time we spoke. Dow futures now down four points. S&Ps are unchanged. And Nasdaq futures are higher by four. U.S. 10 yield at 1.83%. Taiwan rose 2.6% overnight. That's the most since September, helped by Apple suppliers. While European markets remain lower, led by 2.3% declines in Italy. On the U.S. economic front, Fed's Williams said he expects 2016 GDP growth of about 2%, said 2 to 3 2016 rate hikes, 3 to 4 in 2017 is about right. At 9.45, market U.S. manufacturing PMI. In deal news, Bayer offered to buy Monsanto for $122 a share in cash. Tribune Publishing rejected revised Gannett takeover proposal. And Aries Capital by American Capital for $3.4 billion or $14.95 a share. Finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. At Bank of America, Staples, Allegheny Technologies, and Alcoa all raised to buy. Universal Display raised to buy at Goldman Sachs. Mosaic cuts reduce at HSBC. Enable Midstream raised over at JP Morgan. And U.S. Silica raised to outperform at RBC. And that's your Bloomberg First Word Morning Call for Monday, May 23rd. 2016. Karen? Thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk, go in your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K, go. And this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Do the day's headlines have you searching for more investment ideas? Invesco's experts can help find out the latest thought leadership. At the Invesco blog, visit Invesco.com. Slash U.S. to subscribe, I-N-V-E-S-C-O, Invesco.com slash U.S. to subscribe. We've been uh, making headlines, having uh, a good time here with David Harrow talking about investment. David, one of the great themes of your Glencore investment is how the top of the income statement rolls over, but the bottom of it down the income statement and in free cash flow does not or doesn't roll over as much, nearly as much. Can the same thing be said in banking about the trading persistency of cash flows and mining being asset management? Is there is there a legitimate underpricing to asset management right now? Uh, yeah, I think there is. I mean, we are in a cycle where equities globally have been a little stagnant over the years. We are in a low interest rate environment. Uh, if you're Swiss-based, you've been in a strong Swiss-franc-based environment. So all these things act as headwinds to kind of mute what's happening with some of these asset management businesses. And so <clears> – <throat> We think over time, equity markets go up anywhere from 7, 8, 9, 10% a year through time. Of course, it depends your basis where you start. And net new money comes in. So when you add those two things together, you generally get a good mid to high single digit revenue growth, even with 
the pressures we're seeing on fees today. So this is a good business to be in. You don't want to overpay for anything, including this, but it's a good business to be in. And, and yet a lot of these companies have been extremely stagnant. Uh, we keep increasing our exposure as prices stay weak and low because when global equities do pick up and when interest rates do perk up, these asset management companies will do much better. It, you're uniquely positioned maybe to answer this question because you guys had a, a, a very rough year last year, uh, probably Glencore being the biggest reason. But when somebody says to you, why do I want an active manager now, what do you say? Well, you want a little bit of everything. When you're building your wealth uh, portfolio, you should have quality active managers. You should have probably some some index funds as well. But what what happens is we can demonstrate that some active managers have outperformed over the medium and long term. Passive investment just simply puts money into stocks because they're there, because they're part of an index, because they are a certain size or in a certain region. Whereas active management, if you find an active manager that has a good approach, which is underpinned by a sound philosophy. Over the medium and long term, you can significantly outperform. If you look at our medium and long term international numbers, we've outperformed by three or 400 basis points per year over almost 24 years. So if someone would have put their money in the World X, the U.S. fund or an EFA fund, you would have lost 3 to 4% a year over 24 years. So there are certain managers, and I think it's predicated on them following their investment philosophy in a disciplined fashion. And what that means, by the way, is when you're a little bit out of favor over the short term, you don't just switch tact. You have to stick to what you do. And in our case, it's valuing businesses and buying them low and selling them dear. Within that is the idea of what to do with emerging market right now. You're a large cap guy. Can you buy large cap EM? Can you buy Petrobras? Well, I could buy Petrobras, but I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, EM requires uh, – yes, there are the basics. You value cash flow streams, and you put a price on those cash flow streams. But in EM, often you have a lack of transparency in ownership structure and corporate governance issues and things that may prevent the cash that has been generated by the business to getting uh, down to the shareholders. And so you have to really analyze uh, structure and rules and regulations. In Brazil, Petrobras, this is a perfect example you bring up, Tom, because here it's a company that's strongly influenced by the government, both mm-hmm. in terms of the ownership basis. So maybe the government wants a different capital structure than one that's optimal for the other shareholders. And also in rules and regulations, there's price caps on what Petrobras is able to sell gasoline at in Brazil. So basically, they lose money on every gallon of gasoline they pump. So when you have that type of government interference, in our view, that is something that we just can't value, we can't handicap, we can't deal with. Now, other emerging market businesses, um, of course, have good exposure to growth, and for the right price, we'll invest in them. In the late 90s, we were way overweight, and today, 8 9%, we're trickling back up again as prices drop. David, thank you so much. David Harrow with Harris Associates. That was an interesting, Mike, call on Glencore, and, you know, you correctly stated, uh, uh, one challenging year for David, but but a three- and five-year track record that, uh, particularly five-year track record, better than uh, good, uh, to say the least. 
But uh, interesting, on the banks and on mining, David Harrow of Harris Associates. Uh, futures negative one, Dow futures negative 10. The, the yen, 109.44. Uh, that's a stronger yen right now. Dollar stronger. Bloomberg surveillance. Coming up, the, with all due respect, highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond. 